Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. If you haven't heard, I have great news for those of you who've been wanting to get a hold of my book, but you're not readers. You prefer to listen to your books. Well, now my book is available in audio format. Single is the new black. Don't wear white till it's right. It's available on Audible and iTunes. To celebrate the release of the audio version, I wanted to provide a chapter as a podcast episode so you could get a feel for the book and what it's all about. It's essentially the book I wish had been available to me when I was still single and, as a matter of fact, I started writing it when I was still single. I was so tired of reading self-help books that made me feel way worse about myself books that tried to convince me I was doing something horribly wrong or that I was fundamentally flawed, and that was why I was still single. So, like I said, I wrote the book I couldn't find but wanted to read. I go into more depth and share more of the backstory of why I wrote the book in episode 90 of the podcast, so if that interests you, please check out that episode. But back to today's episode. I wasn't sure which chapter to share, and I thought about releasing chapter three, in which I talk about how single women constantly hear that they're being too picky, and they probably should lower their standards. So I thought that might be one that resonated with you, but then I thought, wait a minute, why don't I just ask you which chapter you'd like to hear? So I conducted a little Insta poll in my stories, and I'm really glad I did because Chapter 3 did not get so many votes, but Chapter 11 did. Chapter 11 is called Quit Worrying About Being Alone Forever. Fear is a powerful thing. I'm so glad you picked that chapter. It's one of my favorite because this is a concern that every single person who's remained single longer than they'd hoped to be has encountered. At one point during their single adulthood or at many points during their single adulthood, they've wondered, but what if I'm alone forever? And maybe they're okay with being alone now and they actually don't mind their alone time and they enjoy it at times, but it's the idea of what if this is it, the chronic state of being alone never finding their person, never being able to step into partnership. That's what keeps them up at night. That the season of solitude will never end. It's a universal fear. Every chick flick, every romance novel, every time the notion of singlehood is portrayed in film or literature, this fear is always prominent. For example, I thought about the quote from Bridget Jones' diary where she says, I suddenly realized, oh wait, I should do a British accent. Okay, I'll try. I suddenly realized that unless something changed soon, I was going to live a life where my major relationship was with a bottle of wine and I'd finally die fat and alone and be found three weeks later, half eaten by Alsatians. Okay, and for the Yankees among us, Alsatians are what Brits call German shepherds. 
I think it goes back to World War II or something, but I'll leave that for the historians. Anyway, I hope this chapter encourages you and provides you with some strategies for tackling loneliness and the fear that so often accompanies it. You asked for it. You got it. Chapter 11, quit worrying about being alone forever. Fear is a powerful thing. Chapter 11, quit worrying about being alone forever. Fear is a powerful thing. I think if I knew that at the end of all this, I'd definitely find someone, I'd be okay. I could relax and enjoy my time as a single woman. But deep down, I worry I'll be alone forever. And I have two cats, so there's that. Casey. Here's the tragic reality. Women make a slew of horrible, soul-crushing mistakes out of fear of being alone. Our desire for connection and intimacy isn't the problem. That's perfectly normal. Moreover, psychologists highlight mental and physical benefits related to strong attachments and note that the healthiest among us enjoy a robust network of social support. The urge to bond is likely a hardwired fixture inherent to the human condition. Most of us crave relationship with a life partner, someone with whom to share our journey. But sometimes our yearnings for intimacy take precedence over good sense and reason. We elevate connection to the extent we dread its antithesis, solitude. We become excessively scared of being alone. That's where the problem sets in. Because when we're afraid, we relinquish an enormous amount of personal agency and power. Cowering to anxiety, we let panic cloud our decision-making. We reason it's better to be in a relationship, any relationship, than to be alone. Even if said relationship crushes your spirit and robs you of you. We deny our true desires and lose sense of our authentic selves. In essence, we live phony lives. And then we do some really stupid stuff. We date guys we know aren't good for us, or ones we don't even like that much. We remain in dysfunctional and abusive relationships. We take back cheating boyfriends. We pretend to be in love. We marry the wrong guy. We stay married to the wrong guy. We have affairs. We get divorced but rush into another marriage with the same screwed up dynamics. We create colossal chaos, leaving a dysfunctional legacy to our children, if we have any, just to keep from being alone because we deem it so utterly intolerable. Psych 101. Why we do it. So what gives? Why do we fear being alone to the point of making massive messes of our lives? Because we attach a great deal of meaning to it. We buy into the fallacy that being alone means three objectionable things. One, I'm alone because I'm unlovable. Two, I'm alone because no one wants me. And three, since I'm alone now, I'll be alone forever. All three are flat-out lies. 
that will cripple you emotionally and destroy your love life if you subscribe to them. Let me take a moment to break these down, starting with, I'm alone because I'm unlovable. Too often, single women measure their lovability by the presence of a male in their lives. And yes, it feels fantastic when a wonderful man is madly in love with us. There's no denying it. But if we find ourselves manless for a season, does it make any sense whatsoever to conclude we've all of a sudden become unlovable? What sort of logic is that? Do we have friends who love us? Yes. Do we have family members who love us? Yes. Do we have coworkers and associates who love us? Yes and yes. Well, since these folks adore us, with or without a man in tow, then inarguably, we remain lovable. Your lovability doesn't break down with every breakup. It just doesn't work that way. So unless you have absolutely no trace of love in your life, and if that's the case, I'd highly recommend you find a great therapist to help you develop social skills and learn how to bond with others, then you're still lovable sans man. On to the next notion. I'm alone because no one wants me. Let's face it. This one could be true. At this particular time, in the circles in which you run, no man may want you. But again, we need to appeal to logic. It's simply preposterous to assume that because no one you currently interact with cares to date you, that all other men on planet Earth are disinterested as well. A much more plausible explanation for your single status is this. Plenty of men would be into you and will be into you once they have the chance to meet you. And let's not forget, you don't want 99% of the men in your scene either. Yet your disinterest doesn't make them worthless or undesirable as partners. They're just not the guys for you. Similarly, it's illogical to conclude that because every bachelor in your office hasn't professed undying love means you're worthless and undesirable. As for the third lie, since I'm alone now, I'll be alone forever. Well, it's utterly irrational. You don't know the future. You have no idea who you'll run into tomorrow or who you might meet next month. Besides, statistics are on your side since the majority of Americans marry. According to National Center of Health Statistics, the probability that men will marry by age 40 is 81%. For women, it is 86%. Moreover, these numbers don't factor in those people who find life partners but prefer not to marry. It just hasn't happened yet. Now that we understand the absurdity of our fear, we have no excuse but to do something about it. As Maya Angelou said, quote, Do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. End quote. So let's do better. To help with this, I want to teach you a quick but profound trick from cognitive therapy. I'm borrowing from the work of one of my favorite psychologists, Dr. Albert Ellis, founder of Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy, REBT. Ellis encourages us to examine and, when needed, contest our thoughts 
through questioning, reasoning, and logic, a technique he calls cognitive disputations. Through disputing our cognitions, we challenge the meaning we attribute to an event, situation, circumstance, which changes our thoughts about it and thus changes our emotions. Here's how to work cognitive disputations. First, we pay close attention to our thoughts so we can recognize when unreasonable ones sneak in. Then, when we identify an irrational thought, we dismantle it the way I did earlier in the chapter. Let's practice with the following example. Irrational belief. I haven't had a boyfriend in two years. I'm such a loser. I'm so depressed. Cognitive disputation. How does being single equate to being a loser? That's irrational. As a matter of fact, being alone takes guts. I've been strong and brave and taken care of myself. I've also refused to settle, which makes me the exact opposite of a loser. There's no reason to be depressed because being alone doesn't mean anything unless I decide it does. And by the way, this isn't just some warm, fuzzy exercise in psychobabble. An enormous amount of research in cognitive therapy substantiates the effectiveness of REBT. Ditto. In her book, Choosing Me Before We, Christine Arillo underscores the theme of this chapter, urging women to learn to meet their own emotional needs and embrace the self-discovery solitude affords. Arillo recalls irrational beliefs she held when single. That, quote, only two men, my fiancé and a previous boyfriend, will ever really love me. I was convinced that if one of these two guys was not my soulmate, then I'd be alone forever. And being alone was a fate worse than death. End quote. When her engagement collapsed, she finally appreciated the benefits of solitude. Quote, the truth, with a capital T, is that there are plenty of good men to go around. If we're having trouble finding one, let's stop blaming the numbers and start looking at ourselves. Maybe being single is the best thing for you right now. Time alone is often a blessing and a big part of personal discovery. Why can't we just be okay with being on our own? Why do we get so hung up on being alone instead of embracing our solo period and learning what it has to teach us? End quote. Findings from recent studies corroborate the theme of this chapter. Researchers at the University of Toronto found that people who fear being single are prone to settle for less in their romantic relationships and be more dependent on these relationships, even though they acknowledge the relationships are unsatisfying. Those who fear being alone are also less likely to break up with a significant other, even if the relationship isn't working for them. The psychologists also concluded that those who dread being single are less picky when selecting potential dating partners. Bottom line, when we fear being alone, we're way more likely to settle. Are you looking for customized, personalized gifts? Mugshop Montreal by Brie Jackson has got you covered. She offers a beautiful selection of high-quality, personalized custom products. 
What started off as a fun project for family and friends soon developed into a passion for creating custom keepsakes for anyone, for any occasion. She decided to take the plunge and follow her artistic vision by creating Mug Shop Montreal, a home-based business where she collaborates directly with her clients, using their inspiration to design a detailed, heartwarming souvenir that many have given as gifts or have decided to keep for themselves. You can visit her on Instagram and Facebook at Mug Shop Montreal to browse her lovely products. Girl Talk. Dear Karen, I knew the self-help fluff would eventually sneak into this book. You psychologists just can't resist the rah-rah motivational speaker shtick. Seriously, Karen, do you really think this little argue with myself technique is going to cut it? Okay, so whenever I'm depressed, I'm supposed to cheer myself on with, girl, you're so fabulous. Don't be depressed because it's super cool to be alone. And presto, I'll feel better? How about you give us some real advice? And I'm not talking about this magical thinking nonsense. I've been alone for forever, and I'm sick of it. And even though you say I shouldn't be sad about it, I am. Please just tell me what to change about myself so I can find the one. Because everyone else is coupling up, and I'm tired of standing on the sidelines, feeling left out. Ellie. Dear Ellie, there are plenty of self-help books that will tell you what to change so you can find the one, but this isn't that kind of book. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers, and I certainly won't tell you to change so you can meet a guy, but I did share a powerful technique with you, one that helped me tremendously when I was single. One I still use today to combat any irrational thoughts that flow through my mind. However, I'd argue that cognitive disputations amount to much more than self-help fluff, since, as I mentioned earlier, a great deal of research supports the effectiveness of cognitive therapy. Furthermore, when treating anxiety and depression, cognitive therapy proves as effective in the short term and more effective in the long term when compared to antidepressants, such as Prozac, Wellbutrin, and Xanax, and other second-generation SSRIs. So for those of us preferring to stay away from meds, cognitive therapy is a potent tool for maintaining mental health. So in that sense, I did give you some advice. Guidance as to how to be happy in general, as opposed to how to snag a man. Still, I know you're sick and tired of being alone, and you want a formula for getting the guy. I'm sorry to hear how disappointed you are and how much you hate your single life. So to that end, I guess I do have another piece of advice. Read the chapter again, or maybe the whole book. Seriously. Sometimes truth is hard to internalize, because so many irrational messages continually bombard us so we need a refresher. But I really think, and more importantly, the research suggests, if you take control of your thoughts, you'll feel much better. Karen. The Awful Truth. Remember, these scenes are not based on real stories. They are real stories. Obsessive Compulsive Disaster. Cast. Melanie. 
48-year-old nurse, Tessa, her sister. Interior, suburbia, night. It's Thursday evening at Tessa's home in Middle America. The sisters are arguing. Tessa, do you know how ridiculous you sound, Melanie? Really, do you have any idea? Melanie, there you go again, judging me as usual. Tessa, this goes beyond judging, Melanie. It's simply absurd. You're just not thinking right and it's time to get a grip. Melanie, you can't possibly understand. You've never been alone. Tessa, no, I haven't. And I'm sure it's not fun, but rushing into a fourth marriage to keep from being alone is ludicrous. Melanie, I'm not rushing into things. Tessa, you guys have only known each other for six months, but the biggest issue I have is that you started dating Ted a week after Jack moved out. Melanie, so what? Tessa, so you're terrified of being alone and you're making horrible decisions because of it. You even admitted that you don't like nursing but you wanted a job where you could work the night shift and sleep all day so you wouldn't have to wake up and spend mornings by yourself. Melanie, what's wrong with that? Tessa, what's wrong with that? Forget it. I'm done. This conversation is going absolutely nowhere. Enjoy your fourth marriage. I'll see you when it tanks. Lesson learned. Better to marry the wrong guy. Four times if necessary, then be alone. Oh, and when picking a career, be sure it's one that can serve as a prophylactic to your loneliness as opposed to one you're passionate about. Guy talk. First of all, let's get one thing straight. Guys are definitely attracted to ladies who aren't afraid to be alone. From my experience, most men are turned on by mentally and emotionally strong women. And I think we tend to treat these women better, whether we realize it or not, because independent, self-sufficient women command respect by virtue of how they care of themselves. In general, I'd say guys are actually pretty leery of women who have a ton of ex-boyfriends, ex-fiancés, or ex-husbands. Because when we meet a chick who's jumped from relationship to relationship without any breathing room, we know we're dealing with a serial dater, and then we'll start to wonder. Did she really have a strong connection with all those exes? Or is this woman just needy? Now, I know earlier in this book, Karen assured needy women that some guys are looking for exactly what their clinginess has to offer. And I guess that may be true. But personally, I don't want a woman who's so fixated on being in a relationship that she doesn't much care who she's with just as long as she's with someone. And really, ladies, here's the thing I keep trying to remind you. Guys aren't all that different from you. When you date someone, you want to know he thinks you're special. And that he's crazy about you, right? And you'd be upset to find out you were actually just a placeholder until someone better came along. Because he wanted a plus one for a Christmas party or whatever. Well, guys feel the same way. We want to know we're special. Aw, guy, that's so sweet. Okay, I guess I teed you up for that one, Karen. But the point is... Most guys want a partner, not a project. So a strong woman who spent some time on her own is really appealing to us. Guy. Don't you love it when Guy gets all soft and vulnerable? Wait. So wanting my girlfriend to actually like me for me 
makes me soft and vulnerable? Whatever. I'm just teasing, Guy. And I appreciate your candor. Because it's important for women to remember that guys are people too. And that in so many ways, they feel the same things we do. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns, will target limiting beliefs and thought patterns, will learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood, will identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals, and will together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. Selfie. Sometimes it takes just one conversation to change your entire perspective. When I was 29, I took a spring break trip to California with two friends, Stephanie and Anna. We drove up and down exquisite Highway 1, taking in Monterey, Carmel-by-the-Sea, Cambria, San Simeon, San Francisco, and Napa. Enjoying stunning ocean views, dramatic cliffs, and adorable sea lions made this one of the most fantastic vacations I'd ever been on. And we all traveled well together, which was especially cool since I'd just met Anna through Stephanie. I'll never forget one night in our hotel in Napa. Stephanie and I fell into a gripe fest about being single. We harped on pretty much every topic. The pressure to find someone, the scarcity of decent guys, the hopelessness we felt, and the alienation of living solo in a couple's world. When would love come our way? We were tired of going it alone. Anna remained quiet throughout our rant. Since I was just getting to know her, I wasn't sure what to make of her silence. She'd gotten married right after college and therefore hadn't spent any adult years alone. Maybe she didn't feel she had much to say on the subject. Maybe she felt sorry for us. Or maybe the whole conversation bored her. I had no idea. When Steph and I finally paused, Anna said quietly, You know, there's no more painful loneliness than being alone when you're with someone. That stopped us dead in our tracks. Anna continued, I know you guys are lonely sometimes, but I'm telling you, it's way worse to feel alone in a marriage. At least you have the chance of eventually marrying the love of your life and experiencing intimacy and a deep connection. I married Joe thinking I'd found that, but I was wrong. And now it's too late. And I'm really, really lonely all the time. Throughout my 30s and early 40s, whenever I got down, I would think back to Anna's words and remember that I was way better off being single and occasionally lonely than to be stuck in a bad marriage, feeling utterly alone. Shout out. 
So to my smart, sexy, savvy, single ladies, I say this. Quit worrying about being alone forever. And remember, you're the one who decides what it means to be alone. How about we go with you're alone because you're strong and independent. You're alone because you refuse to settle. Those seem like some pretty solid reasons for being alone. And one more perk. Being alone is très chic. Since single is the new black. The love and life hack for this week is a quote from Will Smith, which I love. Fear is not real. The only place that fear can exist is in our thoughts of the future. It is a product of our imagination, causing us to fear things that do not at present and may not ever exist. That is near insanity. Do not misunderstand me. Danger is very real, but fear is a choice. As always, thank you so much for sharing a portion of your day with me. I hope you feel encouraged and empowered by my chapter from Single is the New Black, Don't Wear White Till It's Right. If you'd like to hear more, head over to Audible or iTunes and grab your copy of the audio version of the book. Or if you prefer to read it, it's available on barnesandnoble.com, my website, and also Amazon. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Thank you so much for being a part of the Love and Life community. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.